0: And uh, Don't forget, it is Valentine's Day today, so it isn't too late to pop out to the petrol station to buy a bunch of flowers if you need to. Um, okay, this morning, uh, we are just going to have one more look at the Reset series. We have advertised it as a five-week series, and if you can count or have been paying attention, this is week six. Uh, so we're just doing a little extra one as a bit of a roundup, and to look at some, some extra things that we go through in the um, membership course that we go go through, which is what the Reset series has been focused around. Um, over the last few weeks, we've looked at the values of Hope Church, what we go through in that course, and it's really been for us to get to grips with uh, what we believe, to go into deeper into some of those values uh, and to see if this is where you as a believer wanted to be as we move forward together. Uh, when we looked at important issues like discipleship, uh, being baptised in the Spirit, being on mission together. Not relying on just the leaders to do it. Last week I talked about the importance of submitting to godly leadership and striving for unity. Um, Let's just take a quick look at some of the things that we've looked at over the last few weeks. So all of this was really about deepening our walk um, by deepening our faith in him as well. So we looked at discipleship where the Bible was honoured, we looked at sanctification, um, actively uh, seeking to deepen uh, walk with Christ and a church that prays. Uh, Jeeves looked at uh, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, uh, the presence of God. He looked at the gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit and what it was to be a worshipping people. We looked at, we had that video and interview from uh, Ollie Knight from Canterbury. Uh, and then I looked at mission, being actively committed to evangelism, love for the poor, connection to the wider church. We looked at those videos from New Ground and New Frontiers about church planting across the world and where vision and mission is respected. And then we broke into two weeks looking at community with a sense of family and development of heart of service that Jesus looked at. And One was that really helpful video that Ruben headed up uh, with people talking about church life. And then last week, as I said, I looked at where leaders are honoured and where unity is prized. so as we looked at those things, after, and considering those, I, there's some things I'd just like to ask you to be thinking about now. Uh, the first one is really, are you in a connect group? If not, then I'd ask you to consider joining one. Uh, email the office and we can try and find you a suitable uh, connect group to join. Be part of church life. Join a connect group, come to prayer meetings. Pray about where you can serve. Although that's kind of limited at the moment because of the restrictions that we have, but be praying into that. Do you have godly people that you are accountable to? Or do you just come to church or as much as we can come to church at the moment and then just retract back into your little bubble and not engage with other people from church life? It's good to have people that you can be accountable to that can speak into your life. And last week, I looked at leadership and unity. Um, as, we're going, as we're moving forward together in unity, we must be able to follow the leaders that are in place. I talked about submission, what submission is and isn't, um, how submission often starts when agreement stops. It's, not agreeing with, it's about not agreeing with someone, but knowing that they've been put in place by God to lead and trusting that they will make the right decision. Often though in church life what can be some of the greatest difficulties and cause strain is doctrine and some we're just going to look at some doctrines this week and it's what we particularly focus on in the membership course. Um, just this is why we wanted to just add an extra week to the reset series we're going to look at some doctrines which often cause difficulty, but I feel it's important to we look at so we all know where we stand um, some of these issues we might disagree on, and you please, you can feel free to talk to me about that. And we need to be able to get to a place where we can able to disagree, but you need to get to a point where you're comfortable to disagree, but still move forward together, submitting to what we believe as a church. So as a core theology, we are broadly aligned to uh, the Evangelical Alliance statement of faith We're Reformed, Evangelical and Charismatic um, there are 11 points on the Evangelical Alliance which you can uh, look up and we're going to be sharing that this week um, just some of the, the, the first few are about the one true God who lives eternally in three persons Father, Son and Holy Spirit um, if you don't believe that then we should probably have a discussion quite soon about the love and grace and sovereignty of God in creating, sustaining, ruling, redeeming and judging the world um, and there's some, they're all really good points that we agree on um, check them out on the uh, Evangelical Alliance. But as I said, uh, we will be share- I'll share them this week so you can have a look at those. But there's some things I just wanted to look at specifically this week, um, which may cause uh, some disagreement and sometimes cause upset. I just think it's helpful for us to just say, hey, this is what we are. This is what we believe in. So they are once saved, always saved, saved by faith alone. Baptism in the Spirit and gifts won't focus on that too long today because Jesus has already looked at that this series uh, leadership elders and deacons and male elders uh, and money and what we encourage and why and these are the things that we're going to look at this morning. so the first one is once saved, always saved saved by faith alone that we have this eternal security. so we believe that the Bible teaches that once you've been truly saved, once you've become a child of God through belief in Christ as your Lord and saviour, the new birth experience has happened, you can never lose your salvation. To be clear, salvation is more than just saying a prayer or making a decision for Christ. Salvation is a sovereign act of God whereby an unregenerate sinner is washed and renewed and born again by the Holy Spirit. There's scriptures on this. When salvation occurs for the forgiven sinner gets a new heart and God puts a new spirit within him. So I think it's going to appear on your screen. Um, Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Heart, from, heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Romans eight thirty. It says, and these, those who he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And those who he justified, he also glorified. There's two questions as well in Romans 8, 34, following on. It says, who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, who is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? No one will, because Christ is our advocate. Who will condemn us? No one will, because Christ, the one who died for us, is the one who condemns. So we have both the advocate and the judge as our saviour except that there are other parts of the church that don't have this view. There are Methodists and Salvation Army and some Pentecostal movements that don't believe this. But why is this so important? It's because it's the foundation of grace in our lives. I believe that if we don't hold on to this, we'll always be susceptible to the belief that we have to work to earn our salvation by keeping our noses clean. It means that if you end up you end up believing it's the work of christ plus your efforts to equal salvation it means that the fear of possibly losing your salvation hangs over your head all the time it lessens the work of christ on the cross it's saying that work is not enough on its own that work is not enough on its own you need to contribute too that's just not right i don't believe that's what the bible teaches We believe that God wants you to know the utter freedom and the scandal that you are forgiven and saved without doing anything to deserve it. I don't believe God wants you driven by wrong motivation. If you do things out of fear, needing to prove that you haven't backslidden, you'll always be trying to earn his approval and credit through your own efforts. So be at peace on this matter. Firmly believe that your salvation is secure. It also, I think, misunderstands the term justified if we're trying to do that, if we're trying to earn our salvation or trying to worry about losing it. Justified is a legal term declared over you once you believe in Christ. This is a judgment made in a court of heaven and is eternal to you. In a sense, it's got nothing to do with you or your behavior. So you don't have to come into church constantly trying to earn or prove to God that you're good enough to be saved. I want you to be at peace about that. Hopefully these verses will help you. Secondly, what um, we're going to look at is leaders, leadership, elders and deacons and male elders. Um, this is often what is uh, most controversial about our movement of churches, New Frontiers, that elders are male. And I'm going to look at um, quite a broad topic here about male and female as well within scripture, just so we understand that actually this is not just coming from a sexist, misogynist view. Um, It's helpful to understand what we believe the Bible teaches about that. We see through the broad sweep of the Bible that men are leading and taking responsibility, that elders are fundamentally guardians of the church, uh, that in every phase of redemptive history... From the garden, to the tabernacle, to the temple, to the ministry of Jesus, to the New Testament church, to the end times, the individuals are charged with guarding the people of God and protecting the church from harm. Those have been men. We're not trying to argue from specific cultural contexts either, but what is consistent throughout scripture. In 1 Timothy 2, it talks about women um, not having authority over men. This is often looked at uh, for a model for church leadership it, but it talks about how Eve was deceived first it doesn 't mean that women are more prone to being deceived or more open to being misled i don 't think that 's true i don 't think that 's what the bible says either uh, women 's opinions are just as important as men 's, and we give weight to their views as much as a man. But what Paul is talking about here with Eve is that she she stepped out of responsibility that adam was given and adam takes that responsibility in the new testament because it says in adam we all died eve stepped out of the role of being under his authority within this there there will be great offense in the modern culture similarly to what i was speaking about last week about submission this doesn't mean that uh, men are superior to women we believe that we are equal before God, but created differently for different roles. We affirm the creation narrative in Genesis 1.27, which views men and women equally created in the image of God. Therefore, men and women have equal value to God and should be seen by us as having absolute equal value as persons and equal value to the church. Scripture ass- assures men and women of equal value of act- to access and blessings of salvation. Acts 2 uh, verse 17 says, I pour out my spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters shall prophesy. Galatians 3.28 which can often get twisted I believe to argue from the other point of view. Uh, Neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, you are all one in Christ. Jesus affirmed that he the high dignity and respect which he accorded to women in his earthly ministry. We have to admit that this position has been abused by uh, evangelical churches in the past, churches and men in leadership. We could literally talk about this all morning. Um, In the context of uh, the Christian world and theological world, there are two words that often describe the varying viewpoints and that is egalitarianism and complementarian. Um, So an egalitarianism is the doctrine that all people are equal and deserve equal rights and opportunities and complementarian is that men and women have different but complementary roles and responsibilities in marriage, family life and leadership. So we haven't really got time to go into all of this this morning. Um, We've got lots of articles um, and videos that we're going to share this week, which actually gives you an opportunity to go and look into it yourself and um, study it a bit further. Um, Also, I'm going to read from a quote from a book as well, but in this uh, book, Confronting Christianity, uh, by Rebecca McLaughlin, she She talks about um, the topic of women in it as well. And it one, it's a really great book. It's 12 questions for the world, 12 hard questions for the world's largest religion. Um, It's a really good apologetics book, but there's a great um, chapter in there on women. And I would just thoroughly recommend that. It's been really helpful for me um, coming into Alpha again, but also helpful for me on this topic. I touched on last week with husbands and wives, wives having to submit to husbands. If a husband ever has to quote that to his wife, then he's got it all wrong. He's trying to control. And I think I said last week that um, we never use scripture to control. And I think we need to read all of Ephesians 5 5 section uh, to look at that topic of submitting and what that means within the household. So we're going to read from uh, Ephesians 5, uh, from 22 to 25, and the words are going to appear on your screen. So from Ephesians five twenty two, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and his, himself its saviour. And I am saying that, that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So in the previous verse, it talks about submitting to one another just before verse 22. Um, One is in the context of the church. And now this, as we go from verse 22, is in the context of the home. We see here, though, there is a a call on husbands and leaders. Firstly, if you have a husband or you are a husband, this is the call. To lay down your life as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What did Christ do? He died on the cross, giving himself naked and bleeding to suffer for her by putting her needs above his own, sacrificing everything for her. In the book that I just recommended by Rebecca McLaughlin, she says this about Ephesians 5:22: that when she first started to read it, it, she really struggled with it. But she said, Then when I realized that the lens for this teaching was the lens of the gospel itself, it started to make sense of the message of Jesus. If the message of Jesus is true, no one comes to the table with rights. The only way to enter is on your face. It's flat on your face, male or female. If we grasp at our right to self-determination, we must reject Jesus because he calls us to submit to him completely. This is just helpful in the context of um, husband and wife and what it is um, within the roles of leadership as well. Because we think of the husband and father and the elder or pastor shepherd as someone who is to protect and to take leadership. This is how we think about the roles differently within a family, fathers and mothers, neither more important, but equal, equal but different. In one of the links that we'll share this week, um, there's an article from Andrew Wilson. And I haven't put this on the screen because it's too long, but he says this in just trying to cover some of this topic. Um, Adam is put in the garden to serve it and guard it in Genesis 2, 15. And the same pair of verbs is used of the Levites in, in Numbers 3, 7 to 8 and 18 verse 7. Consequently, when the fall happens, it is his responsibility and it's Adam rather than Eve in whom we all die. The patriarchs obviously are all men, but Levitical priests charged with the protection of the sanctuary and by extension, the, the entire nation of Israel are all men and men of violence at that. They spend their days killing animals and are first ordained for priestly service because they had sufficient zeal for Yahweh to kill their fe- <coughs> fellow Israelites This remains true through the period of the first temple when there was a male priesthood operating alongside a male monarchy in Judah. It remains true that through the second temple period, right up until the days of Zechariah and John the Baptist, Jesus calls 12 apostles who are all men and gives them the responsibility of binding and loosing, teaching and governing the worldwide church. The qualifications for overseers in the New Testament church, the elder shepherd watchman, commissioned with protecting the church from walls and false shepherds are directed to men. And the Bible ends with a female city, which includes the entire people of God, whichever sex we are, being rescued and finally married to a male saviour with the walls of the city and their foundations being named for male apostles and male patriarchs. Because eldership qualifications form part of this much larger biblical pattern it's no surprise to find that overseers are assumed to be men and in fact required to be the husband of one wife from 1 Timothy 3. This is hardly a sex neutral requirement. The church is a family which has and desperately needs both fathers and mothers and this has a strong indication that Paul sees overseers as fathers. So there's a requirement here to lead the household world, keep children submissive, that's uh, a tough one. So, is the requirement to be able to teach? And given that Paul has restricted women from doing this from a, uh, from a certain extent, and from verse 2 in Timothy, chapter 2, verse 12, the fact that there's plenty of de- debate about this is exactly what he meant by this should not prevent us from seeing the obvious connection here. So, is the fact that Paul, after giving qualifications for overseers and deacons, gives qualifications for women. Whether we see this as a reference to women who serve as deacons, as I do, or the wives of deacons, like some interpreters, it clearly distinguishes between overseers, deacons, and women and wives, making it impossible for Paul to have considered the latter to be a subset of the former, Hope that makes sense. As such, even egalitarian commentators often agree with these requirements to present the overseer uh, as a husband and father And that Paul refers to the bishop throughout as man. In this text, at least, eldership is not sex neutral. And then, just to balance this out, really, on the other hand, that this is not just all about the men. On the other hand, there is another way of telling the biblical story, which needs to be emphasized as well that Christ is identified as the seed of the woman long before he was referred to as the seed of man. Um, In Genesis 3, Eve, far from being inferior to Adam, in scripture, the word ezer or or, or helper is most commonly applied to God himself. It's actually the one whose faith is associated with the promise coming to pass in Genesis 4. Uh, We we mustn't get caught up on that word helper either. uh, And what it means, Uh, the, the man was incomplete, and help needs the woman to fulfill the calling to subdue the earth and both sides male and female mustn't get caught up on that word we need this men need this women need this and again it's often been an abused word over the over the centuries especially by men mainly by men but this is not about getting a sandwich this is not about the woman just helping and doing the housework no, this is this is a word that is commonly applied to god himself as well i need gemma in my life to help me to to sustain me to encourage me to move me on to sharpen me women in the patriarchal period hear from god and talk to god and frequently outmanoeuvre their foolish husbands or sons or both. We see Sarah or Hagar, Rebecca, Leah, Rachel. A slave woman is the first and only person in scripture to name God. Numerous stories of redemption in the Bible begin with women. Eve, Hagar, Leah, Leah, Shapira, Pua, Miriam, Samson's mother, Ruth, Hannah, Esther, Elizabeth, Mary, whilst Israel is being oppressed by foolish or evil men. Women judge Israel, Deborah, win military victor- victories by jail. Women save their husbands, Abigail, and their children, Jochebed, the, uh, and their city, the Techeite women, their nation, Esther. Women prophesy, Huldah and Philip's daughters. They compose psalms and songs, which appear in scripture, Hannah and Mary. Explain the word of God to men, Priscilla. They host churches, Chloe. They run business, Lydia, and, and serve as deacons and patrons, Phoebe and co-labor with Paul in the gospel. If there's a greater responsibility in human history than carrying the Messiah in your womb, then I would like to hear about it. In each of these cases, the women in question serve God's people specifically as women. Many are described as mothers, sisters, or daughters. There is no blurring of the sexes in these stories, as if men and women are interchangeable in the parts that they play. So we believe that men and women complement each other in their unique and different roles. And we, we want to see the flourishing of women as equally as men. We think that church needs to be more than just an echo of the world. That there's no such thing where men thrive and women don't in church life. We believe that women can teach on Sunday. It's just the role and office on Of elder is for men. And it's not for all men either. Just because you're a man, it doesn't mean you're qualified for an eldership. There are certain distinctives set out in Timothy and Titus in other New Testament books about what it is to be an elder. But what we're trying to do in this, what we've tried to just set out in some of the explanation, is that we're just simply trying to obey the scriptures. I've gone into this in, in a little bit more depth because this is often one that causes the most controversy and most confusion because it can come from a, um, a wrong perspective that this is a sexist view or misogynist or whatever it will be. It's, I've often heard it described as a new frontiers thing. No, we believe this is a Bible thing. We want to obey the scriptures just like we are when we say we believe in baptism by full immersion. Is that important? Well, yes, it is. And it's not something we want to move away from. We're not looking to make God in our own image. We may not agree with it, but we want to obey biblical revelation. I hope that helps. But we want to see the flourishing of men and women in this church. We um, may not have got this right in the past. Churches will have definitely failed in the past but we want to see male and female flourish. We believe male elders should be male, but we believe men and women complement each other in their different gifts. Uh, If you've got questions about this, please feel free to contact me about this and we can talk about it. But just wanting to set out what we believe uh, as the church. Okay, moving on, thankfully. We want to look at the topic of money. Now, you do not have to give anything to Hope Church in order to be a member. The church isn't like the golf club where you have to pay fees to belong. There is no membership fee. But it's important that giving is a free will offering. And we're not, you're not under any compulsion. We need to avoid guilt. However, this is not an issue we can ignore. Jesus spoke about money and generosity and giving. It's obvious that the, early church have, that the early church had faith in Christ and it affected their willingness to give generously. We believe that finance and faith can go together. And we ask, "How much should I give? Well, that is very much down to you and God. I've uh, known the faithfulness of God in our finances over the years when we've given when we have had virtually nothing but god has provided time and time again there's probably countless people online here this morning that could tell of the faithfulness of god in their finances but a couple of directions really it would be planned and proportional to your income Uh, don't be emotionally led in the middle of a service and just write a check Sometimes it's good to be led by the Holy Spirit and say, I feel like God is telling me to give this. That's good. But actually plan it. Plan to give. The Bible speaks about a tithe, 10 percent of your income. That is also an Old Testament covenant and the New Testament surpasses that. But it's a great place to start. It also references tithes and offerings. So we, sometimes you give the offerings of what you give above your tithe to extra gifts. Sometimes we would have gift days when we were you know, acting as a normal church and we'd be all together. And one, you know, when we all start to gather again, we'll be thinking about how do we've got planning permission. Is that something that we're going to carry through and, um, and um, uh, get the building extended? We really want to see that happen. Things like uh, offering days really help that. But start giving something regularly, aiming for tithing, generosity, then go for generosity beyond that. God will bless you. And it will increase your faith. It is a, a, a real um, practical thing that can help you grow in faith. And finally, what we were to look at this morning was baptism in the spirit and gifts, which Jeeves really helpfully covered um, a few weeks back. And I just want to urge you to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit is a crucial part of your walk. It points you to the sun. It enables you to do mission. It brings the word of God alive. If you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, then let us pray for you. If you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit then ask for a thirst. Say, Lord, give me that thirst. It is literally life-changing. It draws you nearer to Jesus. Brings the, wor- the word and the world alive around you. These are things that we just wanted to be upfront with and say, this is who we are. We are a charismatic church. We believe that being filled with the Spirit, speaking in tongues, is a really helpful, edifying way to help you grow in your spiritual life and your walk with Jesus. Giving is an important part of your faith to help you grow. Understanding what we believe and what we believe the Bible says about leadership and eldership. Believing that you cannot lose your salvation. These are important things. And then as we normally come to an end of the Exploring Membership course, we often say about being a, a member of Hope Church mean, means you are a believer in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. That's quite crucial, that one. that You're baptised by total immersion in water. Committed to Hope Church, its vision, mission and values. Dedicated to meeting regularly with a church family, not just coming now and again and then re- retracting back into your own little bubble. I don't think we used to say bubble as much as we do now, do we? And not living in clear contradiction to biblical values. And wanting to, I can not remember, there was a sixth one, wanting to be a disciple of Jesus and open to input from others. These are all important things. Why have we done this? Why have we gone through this? Because we want to be open and upfront with who we are. We want to be united as we move forward together. As we come out of lockdown, um, as we think of the church we want to be, we want to share the gospel. It's still good news. Despite everything, despite the pain, despite the suffering, it's still good news. We want to be more intentional about sharing the gospel individually and corporately. We want to be more intentional about discipling. We believe the gospel is the power of God to change, to bring hope, to save, to bring life. We believe that as we come to the Bible, we don't come to the Bible and judge it. We come to the Bible and it judges us. So let's draw near to him. Let's seek him and pray for a fresh wave of the Holy Spirit to blow through this church, this church and his church across this nation. Pray for an awakening, that he awakens us, that he stirs up a thirst in this town, in this region, in this nation. Let's preach the gospel in season and out of season, and have faith that God will move. Let's pray. Why don't we just put our hands out again to him this morning. Thank you. Jesus, for the gospel is the power of God to save, to change lives. Lord Jesus, we pray, help us and enable us to preach in season and out of season. We pray, blow through your church right now. Unite us, Lord, we pray. We pray for a real sense of unity and togetherness in this church. Help us reach the town and the region, Lord, help us grow together, help us reach the lost and the broken. We pray for many lives to be saved, many lives to be added, Lord Jesus, we pray. I pray for everyone here uh, gathered online this morning, everyone who's watching later on, Lord, blow on them afresh, embolden them to speak the gospel in season and out of season. Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We want to represent you. We want to to be your ambassadors on this earth, Lord, until we meet you again, Lord. We pray. Come, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh this morning and today. Jesus. Amen. 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 Okay, these last couple of weeks have been interesting topics, but next week we are going back to the Gospel of Luke. Jeeves is going to launch us back in to the Luke series as we go back into that Gospel. That's going to be exciting. These topics we've talked about, as I've said, have been interesting and slightly different from necessarily what we would normally talk about. I'm going to share some stuff this week um, just for you to have a bit of a deeper look about it. If you've got any kind of serious questions about that, please contact me and we can talk about that.